You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Wepa! What up, everyone? Al Mega, the host of the Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today, tremendous guest has an amazing book out. That has to do with one of America's favorite monsters. You know what I mean? But of course, not just the monster, but the man behind the monsters. What we're going to get into. But before we even introduce this awesome gentleman, I have a co-pilot today. One one of my fellow comic crusaders, the one and only Nemesis. What's popping, brother? Hey, what's going on? Uh, yep. So looking forward to talking about this book. This could be really great. Let's get into it. Is, it really is going to be great because today, folks, we have a... He's from my hometown, Brooklyn. All right. My man has written a book called the, uh, he's written several, but you know, for example, the Abaddon, which I, I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a big Twilight Zone guy. So he's done the Twilight man. All right. But right now, what he has out is Lou Gosi. And who am I speaking about? This is the one and only Karen Shadme. Hey, what's popping, kiddo? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. I know it's early, you know, and we're going to be getting into some some crazy little details here about the life of, of this uh, amazing actor that portrayed one of uh, film's, you know, greatest monsters, if you will. And, you know, Bolo Lugosi, you know, A.K. Dracula. Um, before we get into all that stuff, Karen, a little bit about yourself. So, you, so are you Brooklyn born? Brooklyn native? Oh, no. no? No. Uh, I'm, I'm originally from Israel, actually. Okay. I was born in Israel, um, and I came here to study uh, illustration in the School of Visual Arts. So right after the Army, and I didn't see any action. I was a graphic designer in the Army in Israel. Uh, okay. And I came here, and I just stuck around because there's just so much more going on uh, in terms of comics and illustration. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I lived – I actually just recently – moved to Queens. So I don't want to oh, okay. you know, uh, disappoint you, Al, <laughs> but I abandoned Brooklyn, not because it wasn't my choice. It's just gotten so expensive and I we had to go to Queens. So, but I no love worries. Brooklyn. And we're right, on, we're right on the border. So my queen is from Queens as well. So yeah, this Brooklyn boy also bounced out of Greenpoint and then you know, met his queen from Long Island city. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, I went, I've been around Brooklyn and Queens basically all my life up until now where I'm in Florida. <laughs> Nice. Great, though. So you said there was more of a scene out here. How old were you when you came here? I was 22. Oh, okay. So what's the difference between the Israeli comic scene and the American comic scene, since you kind of said that there was just Uh, more out here? Well, Israel's a very small country. It's like only like six, seven million people. And then um, there's not much of a legacy or history of comics there. So it's just not a big deal there. You know, if you look at other countries like Japan or France, comics are a huge part of the the history of the country, the culture. If you go to Paris, every block, there's a comic book store. It's not Mm. like that in Israel. So if that's your passion, it's you can make it. There's a a bunch of Israeli um, artists who have become like well known around the world. But it's it's hard if you're, you know, living from there. So um it's it's a lot there's a lot more opportunities here and and um you know that's one thing that i have in common with lugosi i'm also an immigrant that came here and tried to make it so i had that you know to to feel for him so. oh so what was your first uh 
piece uh, of ever seeing Lugosi? Um, you know, I wasn't that aware of the whole universal uh, monster um, uh, world uh, till till late, much later in life. When I was a teenager, I was kind of into goth and goth music. So, gotcha. I, you know, I was listening to Bauhaus and they had that song. Bella Lugosi's dead. So that was the first time I heard about Bella Lugosi when I was like maybe 16. And then I saw Ed Wood also when I was a teenager, which I okay. just loved. But I never really got into the whole, um, you know, horror, the, the, the first horror movies of Hollywood world until basically I started uh, diving deeper into this, this book and, and, and into his character. Interesting. One of the things that uh, I really appreciate about your book is that it is such great detail there, especially about the relationship between like Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Just amazing. Um, what, how much research, how did you get all of this information? Because I thought I knew a lot about the man, but I mean, you were pulling things out that I had never heard of. And it was really amazing to, to, to learn about this guy. Yeah, well, I, I read a, um, a few of the biographies and, uh, you know, uh, any other material that I could find. Uh, there's this great, also this great website called the Bella Lugosi blog, which basically archives any interview he's ever done. I don't even know how they found all this stuff. So oh, wow. I read it. It's fascinating. He was, you know, some parts were difficult because he tended to embellish a lot and really change his story a lot. And I put that a little bit in the in the book where he, you know, tells some yarns and his nurse is like, really, did that really happen? Um, but I found out a lot of amazing uh, facts and there's a lot of stuff I couldn't even put into the book because there was so many. There's so many anecdotes and so many stories. If you could sum up Lugosi for our audience based on your book. And one, I'm not going to say one word because that'd be really too difficult. One, one <laughs> sentence, maybe one paragraph, but one sentence. Hopefully, how would how would you describe him? Um, he was the the you know the template for all Draculas ever to come, and he was basically the first act the the first actor in the first true uh, supernatural horror movie um, from Hollywood. Because I think before that it was. Uh, you know, there was Lon Chaney mm -hmm. uh, that did uh, The Hunchback and, and all those other movies. But there was nothing that was a supernatural monster coming from Hollywood. There was Nosferatu, I think, before, but that was a European uh, movie. So he was the first. He helped carve out what everybody thought of as Dracula. And before that, there was really nothing and the same as boris karloff where boris karloff was the first you know um helped create frankenstein and uh, i was just talking to a friend of mine recently he said you know frankenstein book is not even good it's kind of boring and the movie is amazing and then so the movie and karloff helped create uh what is what we know today as frankenstein and then um the same with with uh lugosi he helped create what we think of as Dracula, as the vampire. And one of the things that were really interesting is that he chose to show the vampire as this like very debonair, very like handsome and charming monster, which made him a lot more interesting. He was not a ghoul. He was this very charming European uh, figure. And, and that, I guess, added a, an added layer of, of sophistication. Rather, Was than that his choice? 
was that his choice or, or was that the direction that they, they gave him? Um, I think it was written into the the script, but he was perfect to play it. Um, and he played it in the in the um, Broadway play before. So um, oh, okay. I think he brings it a lot of that um, into it. But I think it was already kind of carved into the Bram Stoker book and then carved into the the um, uh, the, the play. Well, one of the things I found fascinating in your book, and I, I was kind of hoping you'd expand on a little bit, is that it seems that the more things change, the more things stay the same in entertainment. And uh, reading yeah. this book, especially, uh, you know, in Hollywood or in, in Broadway, one of the parts they had in your book was you're talking about um, during the Dracula play, they had people in the back as a, as a stunt in case people fainted and things like that. Yeah. So, um, how, how did you find out that kind of information? And, and have you seen like the, the, the script for the, the Broadway play? I'd love to see that. So, um, I, I, I did not give the broad, the, it wasn't, it was originally written, um, uh, put on in, in England and then it was brought to Broadway because of success there. Um, and so I never, I, I kind of read parts of it. I didn't read the whole thing. Um, I find it not, I didn't find it super interesting, um, okay. but uh, yeah, there was all, a lot of the material, a lot of the stuff was in the books, in the biographies, they're very detailed, like thick, you know, 500 page books. So Jeez. you get in there and then they, they give you all the, the, the fun details and you kind of need to pick and choose. But there was a lot more, um, you know, PR stunts back then. And Universal did a lot of PR stunts too for all of its movies. Uh, they, they were more fun. I feel like about it back then. Oh uh, yes, you, I even agree. If, even I if agree. you look, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm saying I agree. Uh, back then, they made the ex- made it an experience. It wasn't you just going to the movies. It was an yeah. experience. It was yeah. entertainment for an evening or an afternoon. You know, for hours. It wasn't just hey, movies done. Inter-, you know, what I mean, popcorn trailers, movie, you're done. Goodbye. No, it was an event back in the day, and that's that's where the magic came from, I think. Yeah, I, if you even if you look at the, you know, when I was looking for references, uh, there's a lot of photos of the. I don't know how you call it, but like the dressing of the front of the theater, okay. you know, the the movie theater, and they would do these crazy sculptures and crazy like posters, and and they really go all out. So you'd go see you know, let's say uh, Frankenstein and there'd be a giant Frankenstein head as you wow. enter and like posters and lights and they yeah. really like did it up. Um, and then they would do all these like also publicity stunts like there's in the book, um, there's a famous meeting of of Karloff and Lugosi, which was kind of like, they were like the Titans, they called them the Titans of Terror and they met up and they made a whole big deal out of it. They had photographers come in. They probably gave them scripts, you know, to what to say. And you have these really funny photos of like, you know, Karloff trying to kill Lugosi. There's this really funny video also. I, I'm not sure if it's from the same uh, meetup, but they are playing chess against each other. And it's really pretty funny. It's like very, it's like one minute wow. long. You can find it on YouTube. But they really played it up. They they saw that people are reacting to this like kind of um, you know uh, fake animosity between them, and and uh, it was really fun. 
One of the, the things I found fascinating in your book was also the, the amount of biographical information you had from his time in Hungary beforehand and then his time after he, you know, his star started to fade. But the question I had was um, the book ends uh, with Ed Wood doing some with some filming with him. Did Lugosi die soon after that? I, I don't know that part of the story. So. Yeah, he was, uh, he died very soon after that. I think they shot that in 55 and then he died probably in 56. And Ed Wood had the last, you know, bit of footage of Lugosi. And, uh, it was very, as in the tradition of Ed Wood, he would just kind of like go around in some abandoned field and stick some tombstones and shoot it really, you know, it's very like, I don't know if it was six, 16 millimeter or, um, you know, it's pretty crappy footage. And then he kind of stuck it. He created a movie. I think it was, was it, I, I, I'm, I get them confused, but um, I think it was uh, plan. I don't know if it's plan nine from outer space or which one was the one that he was really last in. I think uh, that was the plan nine. Is that the one yeah. where the graveyard scene? And, and yeah, like they yeah, repeated yeah. four or five times. And he goes like this and yeah. runs off. <laughs> so, so they get some, I guess the lawyer who represented someone he knew pretended to be or like no it was a dentist maybe who pretended to be Lugosi and then he just stuck the footage in there and that was his way of saying well I have the last footage of of, of Bela Lugosi in existence so let's use it so that's kind of like the the two-sidedness of Ed Wood that he was really he was a friend of of Lugosi and he was gave him his last kind of uh Torah and like in one sense he was genuinely his friend but in the other sense he also like used him you know he was like okay i have an actor with a big name and um and i'm gonna i'm gonna use him to like sell my movies and and uh, because you know i really didn't have talent so he he used anything he could so amazing i want to just bring up and start showing off some pages over here Mm -hmm. uh, of this beautiful book there you go where's that there we go look at that cover folks look at so and I'll let you find the. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. For all of you who are, are you know, are going to get the good book, which I hope is everybody, pick up that book. The back of the book has um, Corinne's uh, sketches, his early work, his uh, character work on Lugosi. Unbelievable. And on all the characters. It's really amazing. I, I loved going through that. I thought it was really, really wonderful. Yeah, Thank that's you. what I wanted to get into, man. How does your creative process? So you do you do all the details here, the writing and the art and all. What what's popping? Yeah, I'm I'm a one man band. Uh, hey, you're after Robin you know. Rodriguez Hart because we <laughs> he used to be called the one man film crew. So you're the one man yeah. comic crew. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those you know people walk in with a drum and a harmonica and uh, all that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do it all. Um, you know, I, I, I write the script first and in, in the past few books, the way I write it is more like a movie script. Um, so I just say, describe the scenery and I'm going to the dialogue and I'm kind of dry about descriptions because I'm like, I, I already know, you know, this is mostly like a layout for me. So I, I don't really describe things very much, um, mm-hmm. but it's just enough. And then I, I draw thumbnails, pencils, uh, inks. And then all this, you know, shebang, the usual um, comic book assembly line, though. I, I just do it myself. Oh, the image came out bad. Damn it. I'll get that. I'll, I'll bring up cleaner ones. But, I mean, again, look look at this work here and the coloring. 
I mean, why do you choose these colors? Is it something that that's easier for you to use? Well, uh, in the book, there's basically two color, two tones. There's black and white for all his memories, and then there's um, this like kind of reddish sepia tone for his uh, current time of the book takes place, which is when he's he's uh, you know um, uh, comes to to the um, what do you call it rehab basically get gets himself uh, into rehab um so yeah i i i thought that was a really bold choice i think it allowed me to really focus on the story more um i mean the art is wonderful but i think that if it had you had gone the full superhero treatment with it it might have taken away a little bit from the story so i thought yeah really all, all, all of his movies are in black and white too and then i love it era of, of hollywood um you know films that are all in black and white so i tried to to keep it to that tonality um and i think with this book it, it really connects as the same with the rod serling book that most of his stuff was in in black and white so it mm-hmm. kind of works um maybe my future you know maybe the next one will be color because I, I do like working with color um I think it it also gives you that horror feel, even for his uh, real life, because it, it kind of struck me that the guy almost seemed delusional sometimes and thought he was Dracula, you know. So it was like watching. I I don't. He, <laughs> yeah, I think he he had a love hate relationship with the character. Um, I don't think he was ever delusional quite, but he he kind of like being recognized as as dracula you know there was all there's all this stuff in his home like you know um you see it a little bit in the book when they come to repossess all his furniture he has like you know a coffee table shaped like a coffin and like um you know ink fountain shaped like a skull and like you know he kind of his house looks a little bit like what you would think dracula's house is um but uh he also was really kind of angry at at um at being typecast as this uh villain he thought he could be you know a main guy he and he was always cast almost always other than dracula as like uh the the villain they called it back then the heavy you know like the villain the heavy uh, yeah <laughs> the it. guy who who is not the main and he kind of in his mind you know was like i could be you know, why am I not, um, you know, if it was like a Captain America movie, it would be uh, the Red Skull. And he, in, in his mind, he'd be like, well, why am I not Captain America? You know, so um, he always <laughs> thought of himself as, as like as being kind of um, being typecast. He did realize that he, he wanted to be in the real movies. He wanted to be in like a movie like Gone in the Wind. He didn't want to necessarily be just in these like horror uh movies he wanted to so, you know yeah well those opportunities presented to him and, and your journey of notes you know did he get better opportunity or, or did or were they would just turn them down like nah you're this guy <laughs> yeah no not re- i mean he did in in a theater early on some roles that were just kind of like uh normal roles and over the years he did do some roles and in, in that were just kind of standard roles he was never um the main guy, you know, he was in this uh, um, uh, movie called Ninochka, for instance, and he just plays like this Russian diplomat. Um, but mostly he was just like cast as like the bad guy. And then later he was even demoted to be just kind of like a, 
an addition, like a butler or like, uh, you know, like, uh, someone who's like an assistant or something or just like this. So, so he, he even was like kind of a little bit demoted. It was almost like kind of, he was rising up and down, but he never, I think he never, that, he never peaked, huh? To that point. He, Dracula was the peak, you know, in was. a sense. I he mean, couldn't get uh, over it. I mean, no. Though. Yeah. Man. And then, and then he could not, uh, but in the same time, you know, if, if you think about it, how many actors are there that want to make it? And, and he should have, you know, he was, I think in one sense, grateful just for getting that, that role. Um, um, so I think he was a very conflicted um, guy. In your opinion, do you think it was more to do with uh, him, his, his attitude and maybe his personality, or was it the uh, language barrier? Because you, you hit on that. Uh, yeah i mean hollywood back then was a very different place and uh you know you had people that were playing uh foreigners that were just white people in blackface or like brownface or stuff like that and that was very common and uh they did like to bring um talent from europe and they that would happen but there was limited tolerance for that so uh, you know if you were british great but if you were like anything else, it's like it was really so. So to his uh, credit, you would say, well, despite him having that heavy accent, he made it, you know, and uh, he is like the most I think the most famous Hungarian actor uh, ever. So, um, yeah, I think I think it was, you know, there's a scene in the book where and I think it's based on a real. Well, no, it's it's combination, but. There's a scene in the book where he, he's having a nightmare and Boris Karloff is haunting him while he's in the hospital and saying, you know, if you only b- bothered to, to get rid of your accent, you could have been like, you know, like me. And, and Karloff really was an example of someone who was always like two steps ahead of, of, of uh, Lugosi. He's like got other kinds of roles. He managed to keep his money. You know, he got paid well for his movies. Uh, he was always like, you know, had more power in 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 what he could pick and choose. And but I think that also could be about his size. He was a big dude, and he looked like someone that didn't take anyone's crap. They actually were this. They weren't. He wasn't that tall. In, really? Uh, yeah, he was. I mean, he was tall. He was six foot or six one, and they're both about the same height. They're both tall hmm. guys. But he was really skinny. Like I drew um, a lot of, you know, I, I looked at a lot of drawings, of photos of him, and he was like, he must have weighed like 130 pounds or 140 oh, wow. pounds. Really skinny guy. So when you see him in the the um, Frankenstein outfit, it's a a lot of padding. It's like a giant cost costume that that weighed like <laughs> 50 pounds or something. Oh my right? god! Yeah, and he actually had like an injury for me. He had like a very bad injury. Uh, because of an accident in that costume, he had like a back injury. So there's a there's a a sequence of it's a story. Uh, it happens at one point and then it crops up again in a promotional thing. But I was wondering if you could tell the story of Lugosi's involvement with Betty Boop. No, oh, yeah, Betty Boop. Audience. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, uh. Well, there, there. At some point, while he was still doing. Um, Dracula in a play he came to uh, before the movie happened he came to Los Angeles 
And then uh, Carla Bow, who was like a very uh, famous uh, actress he, uh, in the 20s, she was like the the staple, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, I forget the name of the, those those 1920s. Um, the It um, Girl? Yeah, she was the It Girl, but there's a name for those kind of girls and it's like... Oh, uh, a flapper? Flappers, yeah. She was, she was the flapper and she came to see him in Dracula and they had a romance uh oh, together yeah. and she uh, uh the character of betty boop is uh based on her so then they made like this uh short movie where um he was brought in to play dracula and the woman who voiced the voice of betty boop plays betty boop and he comes over and he's like uh you have booped your last boop and he comes in like <laughs> drinks her blood and it's just like that kind of stuff. It's just the, the gold, you know, it's just like so funny. Cause that's the, that's his life. Like this, like very serious, you know, dramatic stuff, but he, he had a good sense of humor and there's a lot of funny stuff uh, in there. That sounds great. Now, uh, obviously I've been showing off your websites and your social banners and all. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the publisher. I mean, you get in this publisher through humanoids. So talk about the publisher and how that, you know, how, how open were they when you brought this to the table? Uh, well, Humanoids is a very uh, established French publisher who, you know, uh, I think started in the 70s. I actually am not an expert on the whole formation, but they were, I think, formed by partially by uh, Mobius. And then, you know, the, the most well-known book mm. is Dain Kahl, which is... Uh, this amazing science fiction book by Mobius and Jodorowsky. And uh, they have the American uh, publisher, publishing house. And, uh, you know, I did one book with them, which was uh, The Twilight Man about Rod Serling, which which did well and got a lot of good press. And so they came to me and they said, well, well what's, what's your next thing? What's the next thing? Ooh. And uh, so I had, I think, um, three options. And... Um, you know, I sent it over and said, what do you guys think? And and we all agreed that Lugosi would be the, the, the one. Um, so I, I like to, I like to give options even though, yeah. and I just like to hear what other people think, but I think deep in my, you know, deep in my mind, I already knew that like, Oh, that's probably the best one, but let's see what they say. So. That must be a nice feeling though, that the publisher comes to you. Okay. What you got next kid? We want more. We- <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, you do, I do, um, books for, uh, for other publishers and I've done projects where I just am the, the artist drawing it. And it definitely feels better when you're able to pick your subject matter because then you know that you'll be a lot more involved and more interested in, in what it's about. Um, rather than like, I don't know, some book about, um, you know, the, financial meltdown of 2009 or whatever i'm just thinking of something that no, would, I, would, I wouldn't want to do <laughs> i know what you mean basically when you when you do something that you get to choose you'll put more of yourself in it you know you, yeah. you're more juiced up about it as opposed to getting a task you know yeah there's a difference sure. you could tell a task and something out of love there's a for huge sure. difference you could really tell that which is amazing so are we able to pick up this awesome book right now uh, it comes out September 28th, so you're going to need to, um, uh, depending on when this is uh, posted, but you guys are going to need to wait a little bit, uh, but it's right there for, you know, coming up for, for Halloween, and, and I hope people can can get excited about it and, and get in the Halloween spirit and 
learn a little bit about um, this great actor. Uh, yeah. One last question for me, real quick. Um, you're great drawing. I mean, I'm looking at Lugosi right there. He's staring into my soul. Any chance <laughs> we can pick up a, a poster or anything of your great artwork yes. of Lugosi, something like that? Because that would be pretty amazing. In fact, yeah. I know someone who would love it. So, um, Not at the moment. I could add. Um, I could add it maybe to my website. I do have some prints in my website, but I haven't formulated, uh, I haven't done a, a Lugosi print quite yet. Um, so maybe, maybe in the near future, I'll, I'll check with the publisher and, and see if that's kosher and I can do that. And if it is, then maybe I will. So I got two more things before you go. Uh, the first thing is, are you going to be at any conventions tabling at any point this year? Or is that just off the table for 2021? Uh, Probably not. We have two. Uh, I have like a baby and a toddler that are like not oh. vaccinated. So um, uh, we're being very cautious. Safety first, and, absolutely. Um, there's probably, you know, I wanted to do uh, um, last for the last book. We had a screening at the School of Visual Arts of uh, Twilight Zone episodes. And I really wanted to do a screening mm. of, of uh, Lugosi movies. And I don't know if that's going to happen. So um probably not this year hopefully like you know next year gotcha and and the last question here is in your journey you know as a creator what's the biggest lesson we've learned thus far that you could share f- with any future creators that may be tuned in wow well, um uh i guess never never rest on your laurels how is that how you say it They're never yeah just just always always see where you can still improve and always see you know what is you know what is the part of your work that still could be strengthened and improved and never just be complacent just always look to to get better and and have the next book top the one before so oh and talking about the next book what's what's the next project can you tease us is there anything coming? Yeah, yeah. There's a book uh, that's probably come out, gonna come out next year, and it's another uh, biography. It's drawn by me and written by uh, author David Kushner, and it's about the kind of the creation of video games. So it's oh. these two guys, uh, Nolan Bushnell, who created Atari, and Ralph Baer, who is basically the guy who created the first um, TV console, the first, and they kind of had this this back and forth. Um, feud between them where you know Bushnell stole pong ping pong from him and it's it's an interesting story so that's what I'm I'm wrapping up oh. now oh my god I can't wait because we do cool. have we're building a video game team so when that's ready come on over and I'm gonna have that <laughs> team definitely uh speak to you guys about this that'll definitely be a fun conversation Yo, yeah, so sure. again folks follow Corinne on Twitter right there Corinne shot me please all right take a look follow show the love show some support and of course, you can visit the website. So on the website, you know, can we pre-order the Belosi book there? The Lugosi book. The Lugosi, uh, yeah. I mean, you can, you can. Have, there's a link, and you should be able to pre-order it. Yeah. There you go. So visit the site so that you can put that pre-order in now. Be amongst the first folks to have this wonderful book in your hands about a legend by a future legend right here in Corinth. So again, thank you for your time, brother. I do appreciate you and everything you guys do. So keep rocking it. Keep killing it. Salute to you and the family. David, thank you for joining me because I know you got to run out too. With yep. the Amal Mega, the outro tells you what to do. But the one thing that's missing on the outro is make sure to visit our swag shop, <laughs> comiccrusaders.us, for some awesome swag and comiccrusaders.shop.
for all your comic book needs. That's right. All right. So with that, thank you again and tune in a little bit because we have a whole bunch more coming. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 